Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 820. Yes, you heard me correctly, 820. March 29th, 2022. It was 83 degrees on this day in 1986, five below in 1969. We have two ice outs. Ice went out on White Bear on this day in 1981 and on this day last year. And I have a note from Montana, Big Fork, Montana, from Mike Thompson. For the record, and I'm not going to do this often, but as long as it came from such a a long way away. For the record, Monday, March 28th, ice off on Echo Lake in Big Fork, Montana. The interesting thing I just realized is that's been the ice out date for the last three years. The average since 1998, our first spring on the lake, is April 6th. We've had three mild winters in a row. That makes up for the three winters before those with ice-off dates of April 8, 21, and 12. Good luck, Mike, in Big Fork, Montana. You may hit the music. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushman. I'll address yesterday's problems with a uh, variety of interesting emails. Beginning with Charles Bednar, we need a ruling, please. Is the official GL episode count at 819, or does this qualify as a do-over? No, I just told you. This is podcast number 820. Only euphorians and mysterians would come up with a do-over. And only a garage logician would uh, give a sound apology that I am sorry that I uh, screwed up yesterday's podcast. Oh, my goodness. I just finished listening to today's episode and find find myself still chuckling as I type this. I was shocked that Joe was serious when he directed, commanded to end the show immediately. It was more shocking and entertaining than the sad Will Smith childish slap. It's a toss-up deciding which is funnier, Rook's discovery and confession that he neglected to hit record, the mayor abruptly ending the show, or Rookie and Kenny scrambling to jam in their ads in record time. (laughs) I was actually full-on belly laughing. I'm saving this episode to play back when I have a crappy day at work. Laughter truly is the best medicine. Signed, Grandma of three future GLs. Uh, The three things that I took from yesterday's debacle, uh, were the video. If, if you could see the video, which we'll probably end up posting, I, I disagree with Ross. I think we should put it on YouTube. It's Kenny face plant down going, yes, it's Kohani Madka. Johnny Height, when he realizes that we're not, gives it a hearty laugh. And Joe, you're lying about, what's the joke about the uh, pr- uh, the frog? At this point, I'd just rather oh. have a talking frog. Oh, that's, talking that's frog. an old golf joke. You know, two golfers are walking down the fairway, and they're old, and, and uh, one golfer goes to his ball, and there's a frog sitting there. Yeah. The frog says, if you pick me up and kiss me, I will turn into a an absolutely gorgeous woman and stay with you and do whatever you want for the rest of my life. And he picks up the frog, and he puts it in his golf bag, and his buddy said, what what the hell? Why don't you do He says, at this age, I'd just soon have a talking frog. <laughs> Got it. I don't Andy know where Although I shunned the podcast when it first started because I was missing the live show when I could call in, my takeaway from yesterday's attempt at a podcast was that my aging bladder can last longer than you all. <laughs> That's unkind of Andy. Wow. That's hey, can, can, of Andy. answer me a technical question. I thought that we 
weren't recording the audio portion. So how did how did they hear all That's that? That's what I thought, too. I, I did not record the audio-only portion in Audacity, but I did record for YouTube. We record the entire show on video and yeah. audio. So I took that, and I laid it down in Audacity and then sent it properly. Scott Matura from out in Montana. What just, do you want, chump? He wants just, he just says, ding, ding. I'll agree with that. <laughs> All right. I'll agree. Uh, Bob Schmillen writes, I was laughing so hard from start to finish. The Rook had you live even before their normal show opening. The banter was outstanding. Even the train wrecks are great. Well, that's a very kind way to look at oh, us. That's a kind you. way to look at us. Doris Mould weighs in. Doris. Our uh, animal expert Deep at the Minnesota Wisconsin. State Fair. I cannot believe what I heard, or perhaps better said, what I did not hear. The end of the <laughs> world is nigh. Looking forward to a more complete show soon. Doris GL Animal Wrangler. <laughs> and this one is from, uh, I don't know what it says, Trainwreck. It reminded me of your first podcast, but that one was longer. All right. <laughs> And Bill Miller writes, wow, great show. I can't believe how riveting. It went by so fast, it felt like it was only 18 minutes. <laughs> so Matthew, that concludes our commentary on yesterday's show. You, no, no, it doesn't. You, you gave them a little bit of pre-show stuff? Yes, from, I went, yes. I went with everything oh. uh, from oh. the – so it was – it was. I, I we let them was. in. No, no, we let them in. There was no antics. There was no. Nobody was embarrassing. What about foul longer. language? None. None. Oh, because I, so, I listened to it. That's surprising. That's surprising. Here's how diff. <laughs> here's how difficult the uh, situation is uh, in Russia. Their version of the Pope would be the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. Yes. And his name is Patriarch Krill. Kirill, same name as our hockey player. Oh, I wonder if he's related. Uh, he's got. He looks like Santa Claus. He's got all these robes on and a big white beard, and he is applauding this effort by Putin to take over Ukraine. Ooh. For weeks, religious leaders around the globe have been begging the bearded patriarch to speak out against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But in weekly sermons that air live on Russian TV. Kirill, 75, has done just the opposite, painting the war as an apocalyptic battle against evil forces that have sought to destroy the God-given unity of holy Russia. Do you think this is out of fear of uh, no, Putin? I don't know. Okay. The day before Russians marched on Ukraine, he congratulated Russian soldiers as defenders of the fatherland and said they cannot have any doubt that they have chosen a very correct path in their lives. Less than two weeks after the invasion, he described the conflict as having metaphysical significance and warned his flock that the price of admission to the happy world of Western consumption uh, and the damn printer. They don't like the. uh, It's so surprising that they detest the West. You thought the. uh, uh, Iraqi guys were were bad and the. the Unfortunately, we got a lot of people in this country. Who feel the, same uh, way. the patriarch, though, is is he doesn't have any choice. He has to agree with Putin. That's what I'm saying. He might the, be the, the church and state are are supposedly as one in Russia. Last week, the patriarch said it was God's truth that the people of Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus share a common spiritual and national heritage, and should be united as one people. A direct echo of Russian President Putin's defense of the war. Someone must pray for our united people, Kirill said, holding a gilded staff, symbolizing his role as the spiritual shepherd of more than 90 million members of his church. Someone must defend God's truth that we are truly one people. The same day, Ukrainian authorities accused Russian forces of bombing an art school where more than 400 people had sought shelter. In a country 
where more than 71% of people identify as Russian Orthodox, Kirill is a powerful religious and political figure. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got that going for us, which is not nice. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, I just, I, 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 we need a break in this weather, and it's coming fast. It has to. We're almost to April. Yes. It'll be April next week. Uh, yep. Get out to EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 and Forest Lake and beat the gas prices. You can do it a couple of ways. The Bentelli electric bikes are fabulous. I've owned one until it was stolen and taken to Chicago. <laughs> the uh, the scooters, the 49cc scooters, turn every urban errand into an adventure and are rated for 110 miles per gallon. I, I, that's how I will do my errands this summer on my scooter, which is in storage at EcoFun. And I need to call uh, and and say, uh, please, please bring it back after they did some work on it. They've got youth ATVs and dirt bikes in stock. They have a full line of Yamaha equipment. But think of this as all uh, beat the price at the pump material. This stuff will really help you get through the summer. I don't ever want to catch you on a busy road on a little scooter like that. But you're going to run to the hardware store. You're going to run to Fratelloni's. You're going to run to the grocery store. This is the way to do it. And you really, really are going to save some money. I get a kick out of uh, uh, when I'm at the gas station on my scooter, walking in and giving them a dollar seventy-five and say, "I'll see you in about a hundred miles." Love that! It's really, <laughs> really, that. really great. It's EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Fantastic! Do you guys recall? Because we spent some time with it uh, last November or December, a teen. Knocked down an 81-year-old woman at a Walgreens, yes, and tried to take mm-hmm. her purse. And yes. we were we were in the midst of our discovery that prosecutors and district attorneys are among our greatest enemies. Well, charges against him have been dismissed. Yeah. His name was Isaiah Jamal Foster, 19. He was charged with assault and aggravated robbery in connection to the December 23rd incident. Court records show those charges were dismissed earlier this month with the Ramsey County Attorney's Office saying the charges couldn't be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Really? Cell phone evidence placed Foster in Richfield, not St. Paul, at the time of the robbery. And his mother retracted a statement to police identifying him as the suspect. Come on, you can't do Remember that. Remember she called and yes. said, that's my kid, I can tell by his jacket? Yes. She retracted yep. that. We praised her for that. A criminal complaint stated that Foster's mother recognized his coat and turned him into police because she did not raise him that way. And then we get this. It is important that the facts should always guide our decisions in the criminal justice system and not emotion. Ramsey County Attorney's Office spokesman Dennis Gerhardstein said in a statement, a commitment to impartial and fair investigation and disclosure of such evidence to the defense in court is the first line of defense to ensure the integrity of our convictions and to avoid wrongful ones. The attempted purse snatching was caught on camera and police said the victim suffered a brain bleed from hitting her head the police investigation uh, say the uh, the police investigation is ongoing. Foster still remains charged with multiple robbery counts in Hennepin County. Wow. And I still have my eye on the cop. I haven't verified anything yet, but we're still awaiting what came of the March 16 court appearance by Norman Darnell Tony, 34, who uh, uh, killed a uh, pediatric M.D., out in Arden Hills, mm-hmm. speeding, and uh, had multiple, multiple uh, uh, felonies on his record prior 
uh, felony convictions for burglary and assault. His criminal record includes convictions for DWI, drugs, domestic abuse, speeding, driving with a revoked license, lying to police, violating an order for protection. That's it? Uh, he was released from prison last summer. Uh, and his court appearance was last week, or March 16th. And uh, we'll we'll find out. Well, I put, I hope I put the, this I, back in my active file. Okay, active. Yeah. Your file my is active. Active. File. active. Uh, got a really lot to catch up on. I mentioned last week that we were conversing with a friend of ours from Seattle who happened to be in town. Yes. And I, I said, well, how, how is Seattle? Based on my reading, it's, it's not livable. It's right. not habitable, uh, particularly downtown. He said, that's ah, not any worse than Minneapolis. <laughs> and we didn't know what that was, a compliment or a rip. <laughs> But I got an email from a, a gal named Shotzi nice. who says, I don't know what the Seattle guy was smoking, but he sure is not seeing the same Seattle that I am. Daily, I am walking through a city that has so disintegrated that it is worse than New York City in the pre-Rudy Giuliani days. Filth, graffiti, and crime are everywhere. A few signs from the last week alone. Stepping over human excrement, crossing the road three times in four blocks because they were crazed meth heads talking to themselves in my path. Rerouting around tents and shelters uh, with filth all around. Passing by a man peeing in an alcove. Passing by a woman taking a dump on the sidewalk. Passing by an alley with about a dozen people clearly using drugs. And then there is the joy of riding the bus with half-crazed people talking to themselves, shouting obscenities, half-clothed, reeking of urine. This is my daily commute. Why don't I... uh, Drive, you ask? The ferry costs 17 bucks and parking the same. Add gas in, and I simply can't afford it. It's not safe to park on the street. Many have been assaulted. So, again, either that guy was isolated himself in the suburbs or he's smoking crack. I don't believe the fellow we were talking to works downtown. Hmm. Nor does he smoke crap. Right. No, no. Right. I wonder when was the last time he visited the waterfront or the market? Both disgusting hell holes. You should see the looks on some tourist faces. Like, what are we doing here and how do we get out? It's embarrassing. Anyway, I've ranted enough. Sometimes I wish I'd never moved here. And if I didn't work downtown, I definitely would never come down here. Hmm. That's a bit of an eye-opener. And you, you know this woman, apparently. I know Shotzi very, very, very so well. So that's all on the up and up. Yes, it is. Yeah. She is a fine, upstanding American citizen. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. How is everybody today? We're worried. John and I are kind of eyeballing and smiling <laughs> at each other because we're worried that you're burning through too much material too quickly. No, because I'm I'm including some things I wanted to get to yesterday. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought we were not going to talk about yesterday. That's what my assumption I'm talking about material. Oh, okay. <laughs> <about> material. Gotcha. <laughs> I can't slow it down. Just, just pace yourself. That's I'm all a good pacer. That's all we're worried about. I was got even a, lot a good of waiter answer. yesterday. We've got a lot of make goods like today. Yeah, so you so were all right. Stretch her a little bit. No, here. I understand. But, but you, see, I know we're not supposed to talk about yesterday, but you didn't understand, did you, that uh, Rook still had all that audio from the whole show? I did not understand. Because that. I thought, well, let's just continue, and Rook can then use the audio. But then you, say, I nope, am nope, willing to do, do and uh, say anything in order to leave early. So, right, <laughs> yeah, Kenny, you were a little too quick to bail out. I, I and need to bail out every day at and the Mr. 18 ba- minute mark. Mr. Bad Waiter, the light went on, so the monkey hit the button, and he was right. done. This was Joe. He was done. Yes, yes, perfect impersonation, John. Uh, I have a today's global warming update from Chris Johns. 
Well, this article out of the U.K. doesn't tell us what the temperature is supposed to be or when the lilacs will bloom. You will find it of interest. This is fascinating. Not that we didn't already know this. This is from the Epic Times. Discovery of Victorian-era data suggests extreme weather events are nothing new. Extreme weather events are nothing new. It's been doing it for four and a half billion years. Right, but you you know, you know, lead the ABC nightly news tonight right. with a thunderstorm right. like there's never been one before. That's true. Data taken from handwritten, and this only goes back 130 years. So we don't know what it was like in 1620. We don't. Data I guess ta- it was the same. Data taken from handwritten 130-year-old rainfall ob- observations from the Met Office Archives has revealed that extreme weather events are nothing new. The United Kingdom's National Weather Service, the Met Office, published the data on Friday, gained from millions, millions of archived rainfall records. But longstanding environmentalism skeptics told the Epic Times that this further undermines the case that climate change is driving extreme weather. Now, just consider what they mean by that. Don't you dare tell it. It's like Kerry saying, I wish this war wasn't happening because it's ruining the climate. Mm-hmm. These are people saying, hey, hey, don't don't come up with historical facts that show us that we're wrong. <laughs> we don't want to see that. We don't want to see that. Just believe what we're saying. The Rainfall Rescue Project was launched by the University of Reading in March 2020, which used the help of 16,000 volunteers to help digitally transcribe 130 years worth of handwritten rainfall observations from the Met Office archives. This increased the amount of pre-1960 observation data available for climate scientists and researchers by sixfold. The detailed amounts accounts of the amount of rain that fell go back to 1836, uh, the same year Charles Darwin returned to the U.K. Uh, on the Beagle with Vice Admiral Robert Fitzroy in a year before Queen Victoria took to the throne. The results revealed UK's driest ever year on record is 1855. The third wettest month is December 1852 in Cumbria. And November of the same year, the wettest month on record for many parts of southern England. But after reading the Victorian data set, environmentalism skeptic Ben Pyle, co-founder of the Climate Resistance blog, told the Epic Times by mail that the Met Office's new extended data set Show us what many have been trying to tell the Met Office and its scientists for a long time. Real-world data is far more important than computer simulation. And real data shows that we faced warmer, colder, wetter, drier, and windier conditions in the past and that we grew better at coping with these challenges. Isn't this wonderful? It's hard to argue with. This is wonderful stuff. The hundreds of millions of pounds the Met Office have spent on supercomputers to try to detect humanity's influence on the climate was a waste of money. We know that weather in the British Isles is extremely variable. And even if they could detect trends, they would be of little value. The historical record debunks climate alarmism and shows us that we rely on facts from reality, not on computer games, which is why I I so enjoy my little tiny offering to this cause, which is to give you the daily highs and lows. They're all over the map. Right. They always have been. Inconsistent. 
In terms of linking climate linked to extreme weather, the Met Office noted that there is evidence of a human contribution to changes in temperature extremes, heavy rainfall events, and an increase in extreme high sea levels in a number of regions. It added that attribution science, the practice of linking weather events to human-influenced climate change, is adding to this evidence. Professor Ed Hawkins, Rainfuel Rainfall Rescue Project Lead and climate scientist at the University of Reading said that as well as being a fascinating glimpse into the past, the new data allows a longer and more detailed picture of variations in monthly rainfall, which will add new scientific research two centuries on. He added that it also increases our understanding of weather extremes and flood risk across the U.K. and Ireland and helps us better understand the long-term trends toward the climate changes we're seeing today. Uh, However, Andrew Montfort, Deputy Director of the Global Warming Policy Forum, told the Epic Times by email that he believed there is very little evidence that extreme weather events are becoming worse, and even less than any changes are uh, out with what would be expected from the large natural variability. Mm. Okay. Uh, Thank you, uh, people, for doing this. Uh, my fear, uh, they've helped uh, alleviate my fears that what these activists will do is wipe out our history. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of history, there was a great show on Channel 2 last night after uh, Antiques Roadshow. I'm wondering if you watched it. It was fires? about Yeah, about fires, yeah. and they were during droughts. Yep. And I looked it up, and we, we had a number of wildfires coinciding with droughts. Uh, the Hinckley Fire, 1894. Uh, a Baudette fire, 1910, mm-hmm. uh, another one in 1918, uh, and one, the most recent, 2011. But I'm missing one. I think they also mentioned one during the uh, Dust Bowl days, too, and I cannot find that one. But speaking of the Dust Bowl, I looked up droughts in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The driest multi-year periods were the 1910s through the 1930s, the wettest were from 1990 to present. Isn't that something? The driest consecutive five-year interval was 1932 to 1936. You are not helping us. You are undermining right. our belief. It's all history. Right. It's all about the narrative. Right. Of you're undermining our belief in our computers, and you're you're presenting us with reality, which we're not interested in. <laughs> They've abandoned reality to bring about this change, which has nothing to do with the environment. Keep that in mind. It has everything to do with changing the world. E- even computer models of impro- encroaching weather. Mm-hmm. can be sketchy at times. And the second thing it tells us, if if these uh, activists uh, who are now just boldly telling us we don't want to hear truth, uh, then I continue to fear that the records you just cited and the ones I find every day will become increasingly difficult to find because they're going to go after them. They're going to hide them. So funny. I just had a random thought. These activists and their anti-history stance are... Uh, Almost in league with the anti-history people that want to tear down statues, rename buildings, rename um, parks, lakes, etc., etc. It's It's absolutely a direct link. It's absolutely a direct link. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. These people are in denial of reality and attempting to bring about this preposterous idea 
that they can control nature because their computer program yes. indicates that they might be able to. No, you're just wrong. Yet, you're just wrong. Well, we've heard from the beginning of history uh, the saying, let history be your guide. Learn from history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez. That leads me to a different tangent. <laughs> the failed academy is not teaching history. No, goodness, no. They're anti-history. The failed academy is not providing a broad liberal education. They're not reading the classics. They're not studying history. They're not studying the Constitution. What are they doing in school? Well, what I'll tell you studying? what they're doing. They're, well, they have so, girls, they have so dumbed boys. it down that they're pretty much, uh, you can go now spend about seventy grand a year to attend a failed academy where most likely all you're going to learn is about gender differences. <laughs> uh, Sanibel Jim alerted me to this. Uh in one school district in particular has emerged as an early contender to the ignoble Loudoun County, Virginia of 2022. The Eau Claire area in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. From white privilege tests to heterosexual privilege checklists to teacher trainings that urge students to hide gender transitions from their parents, woke bureaucrats in Wisconsin have launched an all-out assault on parental rights. Uh... A classroom inside Andrew Hamilton Public School in Philadelphia. Leaked documents show students are... Oh, it's, I read a caption again to a photo. Shoot. <laughs> I hate when that happens. You I might, always go through them and cross them out beforehand. You might not live in Wisconsin or anywhere near it, but you need to pay very close attention to what's going on in Eau Claire. It's now where the progressive playbook for hijacking education and a range of other issues that must remain innate to parents is being run. And no, that playbook was meticulously designed by powerful forces and intended for nationwide implementation. Eau Claire began to show its radicalizing hand in earnest earlier this month. Three candidates for the school board shared a teacher training presentation that, compla- that proclaimed facilitators guide this discussion about sexual and gender identity. Remember, parents are not entitled to know their kids' identities. That knowledge must be earned. Stunningly, both the superintendent and the school board president fully defended the training. Eau Claire facilitators, a title that smacks of 1984, should also, according to the training, have no qualms about steamrolling parents who have religious objections to to gender transition. We're told those objections are nothing more than the weaponization of religion against queer people. Mm. You think they're learning anything in school? Not Uh, with this kind of... No, they're learning a lot about LBGT. When the conversation turns to navigating parents' faith-based rejection of their students' queer identity, the training continues, it's critical to remember that we must not act as stand-ins for oppressive ideas, behaviors, and attitudes, even and especially if that oppression is coming from parents. Never forget that you may be the only supporting person in that student's sphere. Guard and preserve that responsibility. Wow. Unfortunately, ideological training such as this one aren't just sitting on the cloud. Eau Claire teachers are enthusiastically embracing them. For example, one teacher recently put up a poster in her classroom that brazenly lectured students, if your parents aren't accepting of your identity, I'm your mom now. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Eau Claire's actions, Eau Claire, 
area's actions are dangerous not only to the mental, emotional, and physical health of its students, but also to the constitutional rights of parents enshrined in the First and Fourteenth Amendments. The Supreme Court has long held that choices about marriage, family life, and upbringing of children are among associational rights this court has ranked as of basic importance in our society. Rights sheltered by the 14th Amendment against the state's unwarranted usurpation, disregard, or disrespect. In fact, it has declared that parental interest in the care, custody, and control of their children is perhaps the oldest fundamental liberty interest recognized by the Supreme Court. Hmm. By both pushing students to conceal their sexual and or gender identity from their own parents and dismissing objections of parents, there is little doubt that the Eau Claire area trainings comprise unwarranted usurpation, disregard, and disrespect for parental choice when it comes to biological sex, whether that choice is based on faith or a basic understanding of human biology. To fight back... Parents must press for every single piece of information, including all instructional materials and teacher trainings. To do this, they must use Freedom of Information Act requests, states' right-to-know laws, and the Protection of Pupil Rights Amendment, which provides parents with a federal right to access and inspect virtually all material involving the education of their children. Speaking at school board meetings, writing letters to the editor, and participating in the electoral process is crucial, but... uh, This calls for Major League pushback, and it leads me to another thought. Please name for me the uh, woman just uh, who went through hearings for her Supreme Court nomination, Kintanji Jackson. Uh, Is it Kintanji? Mm -hmm. She was asked, could you define a woman? And, And the questioner was mocked for that. Now, is that a legitimate question? Well, I, I, I think there's more there than meets the eye. Right. I think there's more there than meets the eye. Uh, and I'm borrowing a bit from Victor Dave, Davis Hansen in this thinking. Is it plausible that she could not define a woman? No. It's not plausible. No. Uh, you know, if you're asked that question, uh, if you're a Supreme Court nominee and you're asked, could you define a man? Uh, my answer would be, well, yes, there's a biological difference from a female. There's a structural and bone difference. Men are bigger. Let's start with chromosomes. Chromosomes. Men are bigger and stronger, which is why that fraud swimming with the girls is such a joke. And and she could have done the same thing. She could have said women have reproductive rights. They have a different biological chemistry than males. They have reproductive abilities. And, okay, why didn't she answer it? She could. Uh, she couldn't. She she was prevented from answering. It's not that she couldn't. She was prevented from it, which shows you her allegiance to this woke nonsense about anybody can be a man or a woman if they want to be. And so she she did not want to risk cornering herself her, into her, her the kind of base she appeals to. She didn't want to risk offending one percent of the country's population. She couldn't answer it. She would be in betrayal to the kinds of people that uh, she's been associated with all her life. <laughs> That's my take on it anyway. I, th- I think you're right. Uh, it's, it's not plausible. It was out of fear. Uh, and, and, and instead it got turned around by the left that uh, she was being uh, uh, trolled by this questioner and it was an unfair question And because the, the left is defending the same thing. They're defending the same thing. The left would defend this BS in Eau Claire. 
Obviously, they, they do. Yes, they would. <laughs> so, so can you tell us, uh, can you define a woman? Uh, well, I'm not a biologist. Well, she couldn't answer the question at the risk of <clears throat> inflaming her supporters. Wow. You want to dovetail into another Supreme Court topic? Yeah. Why yeah. in the hell should Clarence Thomas take the fall for his wife? Uh, he should not. If you he shouldn't, it, but he should recuse himself from any election stuff if you read those okay, emails. Okay, okay. But if you're going to hold every corporate executive and every uh, uh, leader of a business and, and, and to their wife's views, isn't that, isn't that a feminist windmilling? You're saying that the wife can't think for herself? That's, that's very true. I think what uh, she did is nuts. Yes. <laughs> but he didn't do it. But I'll agree that he should have recused himself and should from any election why? fraud cases. I, I, explain to me why. And I'm not challenging I, you. Just tell me yeah, why. And I certainly will, too, if Joe doesn't want to. Well, yeah, yeah and I'm not challenging you. I, I, I don't understand why. Well, because there might be the innate temptation on his part, uh, the woman he's under the same roof, roof with 365 days a year, to have, uh, to have some altered thinking about that case. Well, and... Uh, if you read the emails, she talked about – she told Meadows, I'll go back and talk to my best friend about it. Mm-hmm. In interviews, Clarence Thomas says, we call each other our best friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't think she should be going back and talking to a Supreme Court justice who may have to rule on questions of January 6th and may already have, depending on what those emails were that were released. Mm-hmm. That yeah, he should, but uh, yet we already know his polit- We know everybody's political leanings in the court. I don't think. But, uh, what I'm Supreme saying court is, this shouldn't, shouldn't cost him his political job. Leading. This and shouldn't cost him his job. What Supreme job? Court also shouldn't have political. No, leanings. I, that's, I, no. that's John, not their job. I, I agree with that. However, we already know because of who a Democrat or Republican who puts them into office or who nominates well, okay, them. Okay, well let's see. I disagree with you there, Rook, because okay. the vote on those emails was eight to one. Clarence Thomas being the one. There's other justices who are just as conservative as him. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. One of our great dangers, and we face so many, is that the Supreme Court is becoming politicized. Very much so. And her answer on the woman question is an example of that. Can I just say, and I realize the uh, being... Being a justice is not uh, as serious as being the mayor of a uh, fake town. Not, not even close. But I, I'm wondering if our own mayor shouldn't uh, recuse himself from being the mayor and the fireworks commissioner um, because of, uh, well, his home situation. <laughs> hmm. i just just wondering. Again, I'm not fighting. Just I do wondering. one uh, hell of a job of not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope Clarence would too, but yeah. you guys disagree. So, so you don't walk around the house calling me your best friend? <laughs> no, best friend. Well, you, uh, me or him? Him? <laughs> those those no, terms can no. be applied, but they they are not routinely. <laughs> those two words you are never used. Name. <laughs> never used in the same well, sentence. They can be applicable uh, if. if <laughs> The topic is, you know, what kind of cake is the best cake? Ah. <laughs> Got it. Very deep. Well, I think the question here, uh, everybody's saying he should resign. I don't think he should I don't resign. think so. That's, I don't that's think ridiculous. So. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, I certainly think he should back off from uh, certain, certain topics. Here's what point. I deal with. I deal with a woman who would paint a white room dressed all in black just to show off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen it in action. <laughs> 
What? Getting back to the you gender no thing. Shot. You got no shot. You guys helped me out with the Orwell 1984 <laughs> book. What is it? And I know you've kind of paraphrased him before, uh, and I think it's Orwell. You're asking me to not believe what I see and hear, mm-hmm. and that leads to total government. Con- isn't, isn't that an Orwell thing? Handicapper general? That's Kurt Vonnegut. Oh. Yeah. I, I'll try to. I'm struggling to find it. I'll, I'll get it figured out here as you continue, Joe. Well, the truth just becomes a, a matter of relativity. It, it means nothing. Yeah. Look at look at the response of the people uh, desperate to not have these uh, researchers discover rainfall records. You're undermining our what we're passing off as our version of the truth now. But here's the truth. Here are the written documents that go back 150 years. Can't argue with that. That's fact. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears yes. as their final, most essential command. Right. The that's it. Quote. That's, that's it. And, that's and it. And we're being asked that many times. Thank you, John. How did you find it so fast? I found He's it because uh, back when uh, uh, Mr. Trump was president, they compared it to this remark from him. Just remember, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. So uh, it's two, two it's applicable. Is it applicable? Applicable. Applicable. It, applicable. It's good for both parties, both sides, almost everything. Oh, God. Yeah. Interesting. That's why we drive our listeners nuts when we say that, too. They I just, know. They were <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that bums them out. Well, i got to get some water, folks. Latte Schmate. Here's Joe Suchere. Okay, I love this bit on uh, Twitter and social, and I'm going to turn it around on you three. Tell me, and it's kind of a staff quiz, uh, tell me you're a seafoam user without using the words seafoam. My snowblower starts each and every time because I treat it with care. Such. I'm a stabilizer of all my gasoline-required nice. domestic uh, machinery. Johnny, Gotta come on. Got to start my lawnmower next week, and it'll start right up. Yes! Victory! All right. We've oh, got three men good. on base. That's fantastic. And with the outrageous, I'm going to add, with the outrageous over $5 per gallon for crappy old uh, diesel and over 4 for low-test, we need it more than ever. Of course, we're talking seafoam. Small engines, big engines, winter toys, summer toys. You wake them up, you put them to bed. No matter what, uh, seafoam is the answer to keeping those things uh, running good, and s- especially in our daily drivers. Let's get the most out of these. Uh, let's get the most mileage we can out of these things uh, while gas prices are so high. And you know what? Why not dump a little bit in the old oil filler spout? Uh, to shake loose the carbon and gunk before you go on and get an oil change next week. Seafoam truly is a miracle. It's a local company. It's available the world over and a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Say it with me, Seafoam. Today is National Vietnam War Veterans Day Hmm. uh, that most of us should know more about. It's a relatively new military holiday. It was signed into law by President Trump in 2017, after uh, or five years after uh, President Obama proclaimed the holiday in 2012. Uh, in his proclamation, Obama explained why it is important to 
create and recognize National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Well, of course it is. If you are at my gate at the airport, and I, I don't have a gate, but if I happen to be walking by and there's the rookie a, gate, the Vietnam a vet has got his hat on, mm-hmm. you will be recognized via the microphone and be given a proper welcome home. People really respond well to that, even though the Vietnam guys are, are, kind of have their head down and they're they're you know they don't want the well they're getting to be my age. Right, right. And they, every time I see him, and, and people really respond to that. I said, let's give them the welcome home he oh. didn't get, you know, you know 35 years ago. i got to get my flag that, up when uh, I get home. leads to an important question. Mm-hmm. How come you didn't go? Me? <laughs> uh, my draft number was 306. I remember watching the uh, defense secretary reaching his hand into a big fishbowl in 1969 and pulling out birth dates. Wow. And my draft number was 306. That's not much of an excuse, is it? But well, that was my no, excuse. No, yes, you didn't. That was, that's legit. That was the times also, too. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I wasn't draft eligible, but I was there. I know I had brothers that were. And that's that's what people did. They waited for their draft number to see what would happen. Wow. 306. 306. This a day uh, reaffirms one of our most fundamental obligations to show all who have worn. And I watched that. Uh, Sweating bullets? Yes, and thinking, well, if my number's called, it's called. With your parents in the background sweating no, bullets I would, as well? I wasn't even living at home. Oh, yeah. Now, you, you didn't cut the grass. You don't live here anymore. No, that's right. <laughs> now, knowing you the way we do, I think um, Matthew and John, we can agree that it's probably for the betterment of the country that he didn't go over there, right? You know, I might have caused a problem. I yeah. see. <laughs> you remember in Full Metal Jacket <laughs> yeah. when they had the uh, sock party on uh, Private Pile? I think yeah. he would have yeah. deserved the exact yes. same treatment. Yeah. When are we going to eat? What is this? What, what time is it? Are we there yet? National. This is hot and sweaty. Why Man. did they pick this day, Joe? Why this day? Uh, let me oh, see if I can 329. find that. What but, but it's a day that reaffirms one of our most fundamental obligations to show all who have worn the uniform of the U.S. the respect and dignity they deserve and to honor their sacrifice by serving them as well as they served us. Let me quickly see it. Well, March 29 was chosen as the day to honor Vietnam War veterans because on 29 March 1973, the last of America's troops left Vietnam and the Military Assistance Command Vietnam was destabilized according to the Vietnam War commemoration. Hmm. Okay. We started there in the mid-50s, remember. Taking over from the French. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the last American personnel were evacuated from Vietnam in April of 1975. We lost 58,000 Americans. Wow. And if you've never seen the Vietnam uh, Wall, uh, I would make sure you do. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Now, the 75 evacuation, is that the one we've seen from uh, Saigon where they were on the rooftop and the, the helicopters and the people hanging on to the skids, etc.? I believe so. Yeah. More than 9 million Americans served in Vietnam. Wow. We make no distinction between veterans who served in-country, in-theater, or who were stationed elsewhere during the Vietnam War period, the commemoration website explains. All were called to serve, and none could self-determine where they would serve. Yeah, I don't care if you're cooking eggs or you're, you know, the quartermaster store, you're on the front lines. You got my you respect. You went right to the food, didn't you? Yeah, I see a, a right cookie. I see scrambled eggs, making scrambled powdered eggs. Before we oh, get yeah. to John... Go ahead, John. I was just to say, my brother, uh, he was right off the shore of Vietnam for four years, mm-hmm. but he was on a ship, and he was the head of the ship's radio station. Oh, boy. 
which which is an interesting That's game. Kind of cool. Good morning, Vietnam! <laughs> Name mean, him. You Name mean that. the ship's telecommunications or an actual radio station playing an music? An actual radio station that played music and then would also do announcements. Right, for the right. Shrook, that give me his name. Why are you doing this to me? Adrian? Cronauer. Yes. Thank you. And then Dan Levitan. Before, we, right after before we get to Johnny, I, I saved this from yesterday merely because I could not believe what I was reading. Senator John Marty of Roseville. Oh, I, yeah. I can't wait for you to get to, What a... John, I've known him for a hundred years. Yes. Uh, John, uh, go home. Uh, you, you've lost any sense of reasoning. Uh, he's come up with a proposed bill. Uh, he's got the revenue stream. Pur- anyone purchasing a gun at a commercial business, gun shows, or through individual sales would have to acquire a license, which would require gun safety education and training, similar to what people have to do when they obtain a driver's license. It seems to me that it is no more of a burden on lawful gun owners than driver's license are a lawful burden on drivers, said Marty. Marty told Five Eyewitness News he is trying to target juveniles and young adults whom he said often have an easy path towards buying guns. He is offering nothing that would prevent that. Right. (laughs) For young people, the 15-year-olds who can easily access guns now and commit armed carjackings and murders and other things, you know, they would have to go through training. And they would have to go through a process to do this, said Marty. And we would have limits so that some of these 16-year-olds couldn't go out and buy guns. John, you're out of your mind. Are they buying guns right now, 15, 16-year-olds over the counter? Do you think a 16-year-old, Marty, is getting his mom's credit card and going to Joe's Sporting Good and buying a gun? How moronic can you be? uh... Is he differentiating between, um, like, say, uh, AR-223s and handguns, uh, making the difference between them and, say, shotguns and rifles used for sporting and hunting? Let's continue here, and maybe we'll find out. Saying all firearms. Representative Steve Draskowski, a Republican for Mazeppa, said he disagreed with Marty and called the proposed bill, which has a companion bill in the House, the most outlandish and extreme gun bill I've ever seen in my 14 years in the House. Draskowski told Five Eyewitness News he does not share the same belief as Marty that a gun licensure requirement will save lives. A firearm is just simply a tool. Guns are not violent. Guns are just guns. People are violent, said Draskowski. Draskowski also said he does not believe Marty's proposed bill would pass constitutional tests. I would say that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period, said Draskowski. So far, Marty's bill uh, and the House Companion Bill has not had a scheduled committee hearing. There's no answer to your question, Kenny. Do you realize that you three, if you walked into a gun store right now, DK Mags, and tried to purchase just a simple nine millimeter Glock nine millimeter semi-automatic handgun, that you could not do that? Do you realize that? I, I don't that, realize that, it. that. That's already in effect. You either have to have a permit to buy or a permit to carry, mm-hmm. uh, and the three of you don't. So you would go home empty-handed. You can apply uh, through for the permit to purchase, uh, and that's where you would drop it off in. Uh, if you live in Hennepin County, you know at the mm-hmm. county sheriff, yep. they do the background check. They okay it or deny it, and you'll find out within a month or, or two at the very latest. But if I so when I went and bought uh, the shotgun, shotgun, doesn't apply. That's a that's a hunting gun and a sporting gun. Well, let's let's let's. However, not... we took the we we both took the gun safety course on our own. Just because we're smart. 
Thank you. Yeah, Thank was you. not told by the government that we had to take it. I we think just took I remember it. yelling at you about doing that. Make sure you do that. I think Let, you, let's I think let's you, not inspired. lose our focus on the uh, the insanity of Marty's thinking. Yeah, this is this is an emotional thing meant to trigger emotions. Gee, this if w- I could only get that kid to go to a gun school like he has to get his driver's license. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> you mean that gangbanger hanging out the back Are window of me? a stolen vehicle? <laughs> is that an example? I... I I, I, I don't I can't make myself believe this of Marty. I don't know why I can't. I should. Is that an example of his, his having become so distanced with his life on the third rail? I, I think so. I think so. Be, well, he's from Roseville. Ro- right, I mean, right. there's Roseville's a good town. He's, that's a good place to live. There, there really are no well, that problems has nothing in to do with anything. I'm just do. saying his his life in general is is pretty good. Why does he feel this? Added layer of income and of paperwork. Think of the people who have been carjacked at gunpoint reading this and saying to themselves, what in the hell are you talking about? (laughs) If only that kid would have gone through the If only we could get him into the gun uh, school, (laughs) and then he'll have to wait to get his license before he could commit a carjacking. That's unbelievable. These people Uh are truly unbelievable. I think Marty's been there for, look it up, John. He's a careerist. He's, he's been there for he's decades. There yeah. for Completely ever. lost touch with the people of Minnesota. This is, this and, is just amazing. Uh, and lost touch with the crime in his own backyard. Yeah, it, this I, is I mean, just amazing. Uh, God, I bet he's been there since the, oh, hell, I bet he's been there since the 90s. He, uh, yeah, actually, he to... 1987. Oh, my in. God. Wow. <laughs> January 6, 1987, sworn in as state senator from District 63. Does it show that he's ever had a real job? Uh, he was a member. That does, that's another. He was. He served on the board of Goodwill Easter, uh, Goodwill Easter Seals. That's not a job. Uh, is that a job? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a grant administrator at the Lutheran Brotherhood Foundation for two years, mm-hmm. beginning in 1985. That's not much of a job. Grant administrator. Before, yeah. before that, he was an administrator and researcher for the Criminal Justice Committee of the House of Representatives. So he was even working in a way for the House in 1980. Yeah. How old is he? But not. Uh, he is 66. This is funny. And virtually all of his life has been in the house. Johnny yeah. wants to. Uh, he wants or to. Is ban- he a senator? Yeah, he's a senator. Yeah, he's a senator. Yeah. He wants to ban ghost guns, which are essentially guns that have had the uh, serial numbers scratched off. Let me tell you, no responsible gun owner owns a firearm with the serial number scratched off. That's the dumbest you, thing I've ever heard. And if you come across one, you either drop it off at your local law enforcement uh, office. Or you cut it apart or you drop it in the lake. No gun right, owner right. wants to own a firearm with um, no serial number. Large wow. capacity ammunition magazines. I got bad news for you. Those things are out there like gas cans. The There's, left wants um, to punish lawful gun ownership yes, thank you. while also wanting to defund the police. Thank you. And none of it makes any sense. It's the likes of Marty that are the reason we have in our midst the center for the American experiment, of the center course. of the American experiment. They've been with us for over 30 years. That's not even as long as Marty has served. But Correct. they must have seen the need to have some some conservative, uh, critical, rational thinking in the state of Minnesota. I bet they have John Marty on their map. Because they're trying to create a, uh, or trying to make Minnesota a freer, more prosperous, and better governed state. I've got a note. Joe, your new sponsor, Center uh, 
of the American experiment had a has a tremendous presentation given to me through a weekly men's group I attend called Fox and Hounds. It is a, it is a YZ group formed in 1949. I have attached a file uh, by from a presentation by Isaac Orr that is astounding. If 100% of our energy came from solar panels, it would require 336,000 acres or 525 square miles in Minnesota. Kind of puts Scandi in perspective. You might ponder having this person on the air to discuss their research. I hope you have the skills to open up the Adobe file. I do. Keep up the great work, uh, John Norris. His point being, this is what the Center of the American Experiment does. They find speakers, they find experts on the uh, uh, topics that most affect our lives, education reform, sensible energy policy, health care, the state budget. Uh, Great presentations, great website, great magazine. I I encourage you to make it one of your uh, favorites as you check your uh, sites every day. AmericanExperiment.org. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. So, uh, pouring myself a cup of coffee here. Don't mind me. Uh, are you going to be a loser this summer or are you going to be a winner? I'm talking about your lawn and your neighbors and your block. That beautiful lawn, the best lawn on the block. It's just a simple click away. You uh, click on it, you get a you get a free in-person lawn care analysis and an estimate. You do it at professionalturf.com. I'm going to tell you something. And for years, we've only been talking to the uh, new customers the, or the potential customers of ProTurf. Because if you've ever hired ProTurf to do your lawn, you're a lifelong customer. Yep. All it takes, <laughs> all it takes, is seeing what they can do to that raggedy old nasty lawn of yours. And it, it it's the transformation is absolutely amazing. No weeds, no dandelions, those big, wide, broadleaf deals. No crabgrass. No, none of it. None of it. And it just fills in, and it's full, and it's beautiful. It's a three to five step fertilizer and weed control application. They come in the spring, come maybe a couple times in the summer, and then again in the fall. And they are the best. They're Locally owned, they've been around since 1982. They know a thing or two about lawns. Hey, uh, shush, yeah, shush, yeah, 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 yeah. Shush. What do you got? What do you got? Play yeah. it, play it. Don't screw this up, no. Matthew. He's trying to play a message on his phone. Why can't I get my speaker? Uh, never Schedule mind. your Keep free going. in-person lawn care estimate today <laughs> at Professional. You're turf. doing really well. Oh, don't screw it up now. No, here we go. Professionalturf.com. Okay, here it is. Ready? Yeah. Set? Go. Cool. Matt. Matt, it's Steve Johnson with ProTurf, your lawn care company, just calling to uh, renew service for the upcoming season. If you could call us back here at 952 Look at that. Just that simple. Yep. Steve. That's my guy, Steve. And that guy has been walking your lawn. I guarantee you, Matt, he knows your lawn better than you. Yes, he does. He does. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. An overnight fire in St. Paul, according to the fire department, crews called to the Lunds and Byerleys near Robert Street North and 10th Street East around 2 in the morning. Damage could be seen at the store's entrance, and firefighters say sprinklers inside the store did go off. Store officials posted on Facebook saying no staff members were injured, and the store will be temporarily closed until further notice so the damaged areas can be repaired. According to store officials, they are working with police officers to provide surveillance video in an investigation on how the fire started. John? 
Yes. Uh, I believe your news is sponsored, is it not? Uh, my news is sponsored by ProfessionalTurf.com, who I just re-signed up with Wonderful. for this season. Here, let me so, play this great message. No, we, ha- we heard it. <laughs> I, uh, typically, they sent me the letter saying, please have it in by March 17th. Uh, so I mailed it on March 16th. So You're, cool. you're going to be close yeah. enough. You'll be close Yeah, close enough. A story we've been following for a few years now. This past weekend at the Capitol, Minnesota lawmakers advanced a plan to raise the state's cap on beer growler sales for craft breweries after a years-long campaign to, quote, free the growler. The House Commerce Committee voted 14 to 1 to push forward what sponsors called a compromise liquor law rewrite, a rewrite. That would allow breweries that produced up to 150,000 barrels a year to offer growler sales up from the current 20,000 barrel cap. Uh, that cap had prevented some of the state's biggest craft breweries, Castle Danger, Fulton, Indeed, Liftbridge, Shells, and Surly, from selling growlers at their place of business. And the owners of Liftbridge last year actually added a brewery in Wisconsin so they could produce more beer while not hitting Minnesota's barrel cap. Wow, we're screwing that up, aren't we? We're driving yeah, them away. They're trying to fix it now, though, so uh, okay. it looks like they're going to be able to. The plan would also let smaller breweries that produce up to 7,500 barrels a year sell four- and six-packs from their tap rooms, and it would allow micro-distilleries to increase the number of off-sale products they can offer and allow town ball baseball teams to sell alcoholic beverages. The bill moves next to the House Ways and Means Committee for consideration. While it cleared a key deadline Friday, its path forward to the Capitol is not certain. And Rook and I laughed there because we Let's not tell Chris Reavers. Let's not yeah. tell Reavers about that. John, do you have President Trump in your newscast? I, um, yeah, which one? I mean, there's a lot of President Trump Take stories. Your what does it mean when a federal judge said that yeah, President Trump that. more likely than not committed federal crimes? Well, where does it go from there? Yeah. Well, it's not, he'd have to be charged at some point if somebody believes that, like this, the Department of Justice, DOJ has. Which to. apparently is unlikely that he's going to be charged. Yeah, yeah, well, they're not sure yet. They're, now they know, got seven-hour missing uh, phone records? Seven hours, uh, no phone records from January 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I is that the equivalent of the, the gal with Nixon that uh, was pressing the foot Rosemary pedal? Rosemary Woods. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I did see somebody uh, today posting, 18 minutes for Nixon, seven hours for Trump. That means... Trump is 20 times worse than Nixon. <laughs> uh, follow up to a story we covered when it first. Oh, wait, you know what, Joe? You did that story already. Let's not do that one. That was the, uh, the fellow who's getting let off. Mm. Uh, Tuesday morning, this morning, students in Minneapolis public schools returned to class for the first time in three weeks after the teachers union approved the new contract over the weekend. Minneapolis School Board will discuss changes to make up for lost classroom time tonight. Depending how the board votes, students and families may have to plan around an extended day by about 42 minutes starting April 11th and also extend the school year by two weeks until June 24th. Russia's military said today it would fundamentally cut back operations near Ukraine's capital and a northern city as talks brought a possible deal to end the war brings that into view. Deputy Defense Minister Alexander Fulman said the move was meant to increase trust in the talks after several rounds of failed negotiations to halt the conflict has devolved into a bloody campaign of attrition. Fulman said Moscow had decided to, quote, fundamentally cut back military activity in the direction of Kiev and Cherniev to increase mutual trust and create conditions for further negotiations. It appeared to be a goodwill gesture, but it also comes as Russian troops have become bogged down, struggled to make major advances on the ground. Recently, Ukraine's military said it has noted withdrawals from around those two areas, although the Pentagon said it could not corroborate Russia's claim.
Uh, the story you talked about, Joe, internal White House records from the day of the attack on the U.S. Capitol that were turned over to the House Select Committee show a gap in President Donald Trump's phone logs of seven hours and 37 minutes, including the period when the building was being assaulted. The lack of an official White House notation of any calls placed to or by Trump for 447 minutes means the committee, the January 6th committee, has no record of his phone conversations as his supporters descended on the Capitol, battled, overwhelmed police, and entered the building. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, a federal judge ruling on Monday that former President Trump and a lawyer who had advised him on how to overturn the 2020 election most likely had committed felonies, including obstruction of justice and conspiracy to defraud the United States. This is all in the case of Trump's lawyer, John Eastman. Judge David O'Carter said the illegality of the plan was obvious. Our nation was founded on the peaceful transition of power epitomized by George Washington laying down his sword to make way for Democratic elections. Ignoring this history, President Trump vigorously campaigned for the vice president to single-handedly determine the actions of the 2020 election. A federal tax investigation into Hunter Biden is gaining momentum as prosecutors gather info from several of his associates about the sources of his foreign income, including from Ukraine, and they examined President Biden's son's relationship with the company that handled some of his finances, according to people familiar with the investigation. In recent weeks, prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware have sought info and grand jury testimony about the money that Hunter Biden received several years ago from Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma Holdings and how he used that money to pay some obligations. Last month, prosecutors also extensively questioned at least one other associate of Hunter Biden about his drug and alcohol use, spending habits, and state of mind of 2018 suggesting prosecutors are exploring whether such activity would present a defense against a potential criminal tax case. On Monday, President Biden introduced a new tax proposal targeting Americans with over $100 million as part of his 2023 budget request. The richest Americans would have to pay at least 20 percent in income tax under the billionaire minimum income tax. Nope. That proposal would also nope. expand the tax code's definition of income. Traditional in, uh, traditionally, income taxes targeted the paycheck that the majority of workers bring home. That, of course, is not how most billionaires nope. make their money. Their network uh, net worths are propelled by assets like bonds and stocks. When those assets are sold off, the increase in value between when they were bought and later sold, called capital gains, and taxed at a lower rate than a paycheck. But most ultra-wealthy Americans hold on to the assets as they keep gaining value on paper, racking up fortunes without ever selling, making them what's called unrealized capital gains. And they want to tax unrealized gains, which is probably correct. not constitutionally uh, allowed. You're going gentle mm-hmm. on and that. don't fall for the uh, don't fall for the the knee jerk. Oh, it's just billionaires. Oh no, it'll be you. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, it'll trickle down. There's the trickle down effect. Don't fall is. for that BS that all oh, are just billionaires. Let's go get them. No, don't fall for that crap. The White House previously don't calculated. fall for that banana in the tailpipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White Whatever. House. <laughs> previously calculated that including unrealized gains, America's 400 wealthiest families pay about 8.2 percent of annual income of their annual income taxes. Wow. A Pennsylvania interstate. Did you see this video yesterday? I sure did. Holy it's moly! Very, yes. very what? what did I miss? It's the second time this year in that part of the country. Pennsylvania interstate remained closed early this morning after a fast-moving Monday snow squall created a vehicle pileup that killed at least three people and left more than a dozen injured. The crash involved between 50 and 60 vehicles trapping some people in their cars. 
Local outlets reported that Interstate 81 was still closed Tuesday morning as the cleanup continued, although the local Office of Emergency Management said that southbound lanes were open Monday night. It all started just before 11 yesterday morning. Videos posted on social media showed drivers and passengers lining the road and jumping out of the way as tractor trailers and cars collided amid low visibility conditions. Several vehicles still on fire in the mid-afternoon as firefighters had to bring in water tankers. More than a dozen motorists transferred to the local hospitals. John Blickley, the deputy emergency management coordinator for the county, said officials think a snow squall clouded visibility. The highway was snow-covered when the snow squall came through. Uh, that also made some freezing conditions, icy conditions for driving, according to Pennsylvania State Trooper David B. A couple disappointing things about that scene. Number one was the people that got out of their cars and walked around and were acting like they were the last person at the crash and no more people were going to crash, right? right. I mean, they're standing right next to their crash yeah. cars. Yeah. Number two was the uh, rate of speed that these people were coming into this melee just completely out of control. And it looked like they were coming in full throttle. Mm-hmm. Nobody was backing it down. Mm-hmm. No. even the, It looked like even the semis were at full throttle. Oh, it was. There, how many just, died, John? Just three. Three, three, three. people. It was yeah. a great big fire. Um, and I know the thought of sitting in your car strapped in waiting to be run into is abhorrent to some people. But... It's the safest place for you. You've got airbags right. and all that crap there to help keep you safe. Standing on the side of the road next to your crashed car, just the worst thing you could possibly mm-hmm. do. I have an additional traffic bit of news. Mm-hmm. Big John Vogel just texted C-Note, the, uh, the uh, wayward boat on Minnetonka that's been at the slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, It might be moved March 31st. There are road closures between 12 p.m. to 5 a.m., and he notes a ding-ding trailer rigging. And I'm looking at pictures he sent, and I would have to agree with him. <laughs> so I, I hope the boat makes it to where it's going. That's Thursday. Uh, yep. Yes, today's the 29th. Yep. COVID-19 and the pandemic that that, uh, delivered it have caused untold stress for people in the U.S. and across the globe for two years. But Minnesotans, it looks like, have coped with the stresses better than most. A new study (laughs) by personal finance website WalletHub finds that Minnesota is the second least stressed state in the country. Uh, Number one, Utah. The rankings were determined were determined by comparing data from 50 states in four key dimensions, work-related stress, money-related stress, family-related stress, and health and safety-related stress. Uh, The Midwest actually uh, did quite well. Minnesota was number two. Right behind Minnesota was South Dakota as the third least stressed. Wisconsin was the fourth least stressed. And North Dakota, the seventh least stressed. i got to tell you, outstate, uh, not stressed at all. (laughs) <laughs> Not stress. I can't. Uh, I can't identify stress as part of this two-year experience. I'm a little stressed right away. When, when, you know, but then that went away. I was stressed about catching. I told it. you this before, but I had I had a chance to witness it again over the weekend. We were in charge of a a 17 month old. Mm-hmm. And the the bond, that we de- you got a mouse in your pocket. Right, we the, know who was in charge. CP, yeah. <laughs> the the bond that developed between mothers. And children born in 2020 is truly unique. It's just ama- the, those. I don't know if it's good or bad, but those kids are so close to their mother yeah. that you know if mother closes the door, 
they hold their breath crying and you got to talk them out and you got to talk them off Walk the ledge. Walk me through that, Prow. How did well, you do it? What you did know, you? What I'm a baby your... whisperer. I can do it, but holy <laughs> mackerel. Uh, my buddy uh, from my talk, Alexis Thompson, is one of those, and she confirms that uh, the the the, bra- the bond does break eventually. Uh, the kid does finally get sick of mom and tell her to, you know, uh, you know, get out of my way. Well, uh, I guess I'm speaking of the of the situations where the mom gives birth in 2020, but mom continues to work just from home. Oh, right. So right. the kids constantly got the mother. Gotcha. Yeah. So you a, brought this up, and I found this paper by accident the other day, Such. It's from the CISA, Cyber Infrastructure. It's, day, it's unclassified. It's dated March 16th, 2020. To whom it may concern, the bearer of this letter is providing emergency com- communication sustainment and restoration support to critical communications infrastructure facilities in response to COVID-19 declaration of emergency. Was that all, our car pass that we yeah, had? All of us had mm, these yeah, things, and yeah. we were supposed to carry them in our car. Mine. I saved mine. Because uh, the Gestapo was going to pull us over at gunpoint and ask to see our papers. Why are you out here to stay? <laughs> I would have framed that for the garage and put it alongside my frame parking pass from the opening day of the Mall of America. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> this was was good yeah. from March 16th, 2020 to May 28th, 2020. Yep, we had those. <laughs> yep. I think I found one in one of my jackets. <laughs> yeah, good news and bad news, I guess. Viewership of Sunday's Oscars ceremony improved significantly from last year's least watched ever broadcast. However, uh, that's the good news. The bad news is it still remained near record lows, according to Nielsen data. The Oscars broadcast had a viewership of 15.36 million viewers, according to Nielsen's time zone-adjusted Fast Nationals. Uh, that does not include streaming, by the way. That's an increase of nearly 5 million viewers from last year when the pared-down ceremony had a record low of 10.4 million. And compared to last year's time-adjusted Fast National, it was $9.85 million. So it's a 56% increase. It's not known if the uh, infamous slap had anything to do with those numbers. That won't be known until hourly numbers are available later this week. Uh, in case you're wondering how that number compares with uh, old past years, uh, what was it, 15.36 million viewed this year? The most watched Oscars, 1998, when, when 55.3 million watched what the Oscars. What were the movies so, in 98? They're talking themselves right out of this stupid ceremony. Good riddance to them. You know what's funny and hilarious is that the slap now is now a political. Uh, we argument. said that at the start of the show. Oh, yeah, I think maybe yeah. we were off the air, but yeah, it's going to become a political. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Is there anything that happens in this country that isn't political? Not no, if it involves black people. Anymore. There's a porch being ripped off a house nearby here, and by ripped off, I mean removed. Is is that somehow a political statement? Not to you and me. Hmm. Uh, there's two eagles in the eagle's nest, DNR eagle cam. We've got two little eaglets. Is that somehow political? Yeah, there'd be three eaglets if it wasn't for climate change. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. See, yes, everything. Hey, you're aware of that nest we're both familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, is that active this year? Yeah, I go by it all the time. I don't see any birds. Oh, uh, I moved away a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, that's ago. right. That's right. You're up there. <laughs> I'll tell you where they are. Composure Landing. And no, I know. You told me. Oh, yeah. They're around. You can get them. You, you, you're a sea of eagles. Some, uh, uh, some silent body camera footage from police is, uh, is showing how not to be a police officer. A Florida officer 
choking his female police colleague after she pulled him away from a man's arrest. It was released this week along with new audio that shows what the cop had said that caused the junior officer to intervene. Sunrise, Florida, police were responding to a call about a man accused of attacking people outside a convenience store. Officers got there, handcuffed a 25-year-old man, tried to get him into the police vehicle. That's when Sergeant Christopher Police arrived on the scene. He grabbed the man and said, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. You want to play bleeping, bleeping, bleeping games? You're playing with the wrong mother bleeper. Hmm. Police tells the handcuffed man entering the police cruiser. Uh, He says, do what you got to do, man, the suspect did. If you're going to mace me, mace me. At that point, uh, police looks at the man and says, look at me, mother bleeper. You want to play bleeping games? I will remove your bleeping soul from your bleeping body. Right. Well, that's... They can do that? that. Tough day. He's having a tough day. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you can do stuff. It was at that point the junior female officer intervened by grabbing the back of the sergeant's belt and pulled him out of the car, as shown in body camera footage. Uh, but then at that point, the sergeant turns around, grabs her by the throat, backs her up, and puts her against a police car with his hand still around her throat. Oh, he's got to be fired wow. immediately. Oh, yeah. Sarge, uh, hang on. Goodbye. At the moment, he uh, is not fired. He is suspended with pay. He's been with the department for over 21 years, and there's an internal investigation uh, going on at this point with the office. So go to internal investigation. Got it. Do we uh, consider Mexico a third world country? I, I don't know. Do we, I do. do. We? Okay. Well, uh, this okay, is a third. Okay, then it is. There, uh, it, it I is. just solved it for you. <laughs> well, everything about this story, I would have to agree with Joe. 20 people shot and killed in central Mexico on Sunday. Uh, why? Well, uh, it was uh, hosting a place where they were hosting illegal betting on cockfights in the mm-hmm. town of Las Tojinas. The attorney general's office said the lifeless bodies of 16 men and three women were found at the scene, all bearing gunshot wounds. Later said an additional person had died en route to the hospital. Six uh, people wounded in the attack. Federal authorities are working with the aim of capturing those responsible. Uh, Federal Public Safety Department said there are indications the attack involved a confrontation between separate criminal groups. Yeah, when we have cockfights in America, the shooting isn't nearly that extensive. Right, John, (laughs) uh, please tell me the cocks were okay. As far as I know, Kenny. To, to the best of my knowledge. In Great Britain, police have discovered a mountain of stolen bikes in Whoa. a man's back in a man's back garden so big, How it, big could were be, they? it could be seen on Google Earth. Yep. Come I on. I saw the picture. Really? Pile yeah. Of, yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah. A pile of bicycles visible via satellite were discovered at a property in Oxford. Officers visited the house on Giles Road, Littlemore, and found what looked like hundreds of bikes. A 54-year-old man inhabiting the house was arrested on suspicion of handling stolen goods and possession of criminal property. He was released under investigation. According to local neighbors, police were at the address sorting through hundreds of bikes. Uh, neighbors also told police the bikes had been there for years. So that's the fifth thing you can see from space, correct? Oh, I forgot the joke. Great Wall of China. Yeah. The Nile River. Yeah. Uh, the pyramids. Yep. Um, the Great Lakes. Yep. And Valensky's Pear. Oh, that's right. That's right. John, thank you. You're welcome. Why don't we take a time out here? I think we'll just take a little time out here. Let's do it. You guys want a time out? Yeah. Okay, let's time her out. Why not? Let's time her out there. Uh, 
Oh, this cast is preventing me from clicking. Love that liner. It's my favorite liner. Uh, I'm not going to click. Here's a guy who <laughs> cannot click. I can't click with this thing on. Joe, Joe Suchere. Uh, commercial residential automotive rich, the owner of Maple Grove Lock and Safe. Uh, he sells and services all of them. And uh, lucky for us, Rich also sells the Liberty Safe, the best safe ever made uh, right here in the United States, by the by. Uh, made by Americans using American materials. Get to that website, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Take a long, good, hard look at the Liberty Safe showroom. There's something in in there for you from uh, whatever your price range, whatever your size. Uh, they've got them rated by fire. Uh, how long will they last? And you know certain temperatures. That whole deal. You'll find it all at MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. Invest in your security. Whether it's a compact vault or a seriously large safe, so big you can almost walk into it. Uh, Rich has uh, been in business 30 years. He knows the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. 6901 East Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove and on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. You didn't like the stooge bed underneath the ad? I liked it. I liked it, yeah. uh, but he waved you off. Joe, regarding last week's conversation about the building of victory ships during World War II, weren't they built in Savage? Was that the town? I've attached a link to a weekend post from the Army Corps of Engineers Facebook page. It shows one of those ships below the Mendota Bridge in 1942. The swing bridge in the foreground was the old Milwaukee Railroad Bridge, said to have been removed in the 1950s. Thought you'd be interested. It is the neatest photo. You can see it for yourself. Just Google uh, Liberty Ship Mendota Bridge, and there's this big Liberty Ship under the Mendota Bridge, cool. presumably eastbound to get to the Mississippi. And uh, the stacks and the towers aren't on it yet, so it could clear the bridge. And it's just a nifty, nifty photo. So thank you for that. It, see, in, in fact, run an experiment, John, and, and see if you can find that photo. Okay. I see one leaving uh, Savage here, but it's not the one you're talking about. This was under the Mendota Bridge. And uh, it's just nifty. It's just nifty. Say, um, you know... About the uh, bicycle company Higgins, correct? I know the boat and company Higgins. That, that's what I'm getting to. Didn't they also build boats for World War II? Yes. I, I believe they did. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one last appraisal story, a quick appraisal story. Uh, Gary in Mendota Heights writes, Three years ago I was in the process of fleeing St. Paul and the appraiser came to my house. He commented on my Garage Logic coffee mug. He asked if I was a big listener, and I said yes. I told him my son went to grade school with St. McLaren, one of Rookie's kids, Mm -hmm. and I was friend with Skilly, a former salesman for AM1500. He introduced himself as remote correspondent Kelsey. How about that? He inspected Uh, the home, and we talked GL the whole time. Gary is a loyal, loyal listener, has been for decades. That'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it, to have the old... uh, yeah, but then Kelsey probably lingered a little bit too long, and it just kind of got, <laughs> you know, weird. Kind of like at the fair, you want to just shoo them along a little bit. <laughs> they want to tell you about what they have hanging in their garage, and you really don't really care, but wow. they're going to tell you anyway. This is a mean side of Matthew. Yeah, you're not yeah. Really, yeah. very nice. Really? I'm fishing. I'm wow. fishing. Yeah, I am wow. fishing. Thanks, guys. Man. Uh, only Normally because. comes out of my, my I know. Probably, <laughs> yesterday was a tough day, okay? I'm still uh, a little gun-shy, a little gun-shy. Only because oh. they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. It was on this day 
Today is March 29th. Uh, in 1823, William DeLuc was born in Wilkinsville, Ohio. After moving to St. Paul in 1850, he would open a law office and bookstore and publish three yearbooks publicizing the territory. In 1857, he would move to Hastings, where his mill was the first to offer spring wheat flour. He would also become a general in the Civil War, uh, serve as the U.S. Commissioner of Agriculture, and help develop the Remington typewriter. Other than that, he didn't do anything. Underachiever. LeDuc <laughs> died in 1917. It was on this day... In 1855, in St. Anthony, Minnesota, Republicans held their first formal meeting during which they discussed the group's uh, strong anti-slavery stance. And on this day in 1916, Eugene McCarthy was born in Watkins. Hmm. He would serve in Congress for over two decades as a representative from 49 to 59 and as a Senate senator from 59 to 71. And in 1968... He uh, challenged incumbent President Lyndon Johnson. He ran on an anti-Vietnam War platform and made a strong showing in the New Hampshire primary. He helped uh, convince Johnson to drop out of the race. McCarthy, however, would ultimately lose the uh, party bid to another Minnesotan. Wouldn't that have been Hubert Humphrey? Uh, yes. Hubert Horatio Humphrey. Right. Yes. And on this day in 1928, and this is for which we all should be grateful, St. Paul's new 2,000-watt radio station, KSTP, inaugurated its years of broadcasting in the Northwest with a seven-hour program that offered a wide variety of entertainment throughout the evening and ran until 2 a.m. the following morning. Uh, with beginnings in local stations, WAMD, where all Minneapolis dances, launched by Stanley E. Hubbard in 1923 in KFOY, KSTP would become its power would would increase its power to a potential 50,000 watts by 1935 and claim to be the only high-fidelity, high-power radio transmitter in the West and the first U.S. station to broadcast to Australia. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I've told you many times, in 1999, in the dead of winter, I stood at night out in Yellowstone Park, and uh, KSTP came in loud and clear. Didn't the FCC, they asked him to they do asked this him to do that. because they needed something to throw a signal west. Right. And, and he, that's what they got. He obliged. They did a seven-hour program. We did 17 minutes yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know what? And I felt spent after that. I felt yeah. very... Uh, I, I, the, a lot of the old-timers, old when I started working here in the 80s, referred to him as the old man. Mm -hmm. And that always made me uncomfortable. Uh, very uncomfortable. And then when our current uh, boss came, uh, came uh, started doing her gig, I, I referred to him as a grandpa because that's what she called him, grandpa. Well, I met him. Pat and I met him. We were summoned to his office, and he wanted to uh, make available to us that, that organ uh, rendition of uh, 76 trombones. trombones. A cool guy uh, insisted that his air staff stand up. Because uh, he thought that gave you better breathing and better delivery. Also, one of the best stories I love about him had a police scanner in his vehicle. And it was quite a vehicle. And it was he was not beyond going to the scenes yeah. of whatever was going on himself. On he, this day, he lived across the alley from one of my good grade school friends. Hmm. And he was an extremely nice. We'd always just be playing out there on Woodlawn and Princeton. Yeah. And he was a uh, a good neighbor, I should say. Also heavily into aviation. Yes. As is his son. Yep. And his grandsons. Yep. Yep. On this day in 1998, 
98, so that's a while ago. Tornado struck a dozen communities eastward from Nobles to Wabashaw counties to south-central Minnesota, causing at least one death and numerous injuries, damaging Comfrey and St. Peter and carrying debris many miles away. Extensive damage in Comfrey forces residents to evacuate from their homes, while the devastation in St. Peter uh, prompts an eyewitness to remark that the city looks decapitated, and a man in far-off Dakota County caught a falling page from a Lee Center school library book. I remember that because I think the Players' Championship was on. And, <laughs> Belinda. And, and Belinda cut away to go, and I said, this can't be. Oh, that be. was that one. This yeah. can't you were be. Outraged. You, yeah. you were outraged. Yeah. Uh, I know we're not supposed to bring up yesterday, but uh, I, I do want to. Go ahead, John. Did you want to say something? No, no. Go ahead. Well, I, was, I found the page with the uh, picture of the ship going under Isn't the Mendota Bridge. Uh, actually, it's uh, a page that the name of the ship was the Agawam, yeah. and there are dozens of pictures of this ship, including that one where it goes under the, the, the Mendota Bridge. Yeah. It's nav, N-A-V, source, dot org, backslash archives. So okay. navsource.org what about backslash archives. Well, yeah, you don't, you, don't have to you don't have to do that anymore, Grandpa. Let's get back uh, to yesterday that we're not supposed uh, to talk about. Yesterday, I know we're not supposed to bring it up, but I'm, I'm the only regret I have about yesterday's debacle was I wasn't able to talk about the great cathedral to motorsports up in Monticello, um, Moon Motorsports. They've been at it up there for 50 years with ATVs, side-by-side, sleds, bikes. And it is here. It's officially motorcycle riding season. If you've ever wondered uh, what time it might be, it's time to get out there. And you can find out why two-wheel fun has never been so popular. If you've never been on a bike, it is the best thing ever. And motorized family fun. Uh, doing it with your friends and family, that's what it's all about. And we have Moon uh, to help us out there, 50 years strong in Monticello. KTM, Honda, Yamaha, Husqvarna, the Euro brands, Ducati, BMW, Triumph, all of them on display in that cathedral there, uh, the Moon showroom. Oh, and by the way, on the web, moonmotorsports.com. 50 years strong, family-owned and operated the whole time, a multi-line dealership in Monticello. Just off 94. That's, what, only 25 minutes west of the Twin Cities. It's nothing. And, of course, at moonmotorsports.com. Thank you, GLers. Very nice. Very nice. That was It was very smooth. I could, you know what? I'm coming back tomorrow. All right. I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I think I can handle it uh, once I get, you know, in a rhythm. Hey, uh, did the mayor yell at you off the air yesterday? Because he didn't seem as mad as I would have thought he I would. Didn't, did I? He showed uh, quite a bit of mercy. Huh. In fact, he was, I thought he was going to hug me. He was very, I don't uh, hug. He, he, well, you didn't, but I, you, you kind of, you were very, you were worried about me yeah. and you were very kind. So you didn't jump on me like you normally would, which well, if it happens I'm used to. Right. If it happens yeah. tomorrow, then I'm done. We're going back to Reavers. Right. Uh, again, pod MN for all of your other podcast needs. I always stick with garage logic, but there's a library available to you at podmn.com. And the Garage Logic online store is open for business. Go to garagelogic.com and get some stuff, if you know what I mean. Now, let's see if I recorded. Oh. <laughs>